Welcome to part two this week of the Far Aim Podcast. If you joined us two weeks ago, you remember Barbara Sutton on. Uh, we are talking, sometimes we, we stay on aviation, sometimes we even stay on the topic we're covering, which is cockpit automation, flight deck, digitization. Did I say that right? It's a hard word to say. Digitization. G- digitization. Okay. Yeah. Um, where do we leave off? We were... Did, were we done taxing even the last episode? Yeah, we, I, I don't we, even know if we made it in the air. I, I mean, <laughs> we definitely didn't make it into the air. We didn't not. talk about let's, takeoff. Let's fast forward, Barb. Let's fast forward. All right. Okay. Our next phase. So where, we're, where take are we? Off. We got to take, take this off. thing off. We're still on the ground. Yeah. Hour in. I mean, listen, a lot of the things I said I uh, last two weeks ago um, still uh, apply if you're taking off or if you're climbing or if you're in cruise, right? If you're monitoring those screens and you're continuously monitoring those screens, your human, the human factors are going to kick in. You're going to have an issue, you know, an issue with your eyes, an issue with fatigue, an issue with memory or whatever, like any phase of flight that you're in, whether it's the first leg or the second leg of a trip or a day or whatever it is, like those things are going to greatly affect your ability to function properly in the cockpit for sure. So, like, in in there, you know, I think maybe some people may even forget. I'm sure, you know, you don't because you're you're into it. But like, we have checklists we have to run like all the time. So, like, when we're taxing, we have a tax checklist before takeoff. While we're technically still taxing, we have a before takeoff checklist that we are running every item, and they don't take a lot of time. And we've gone to great lengths, uh, myself and the fleet lead, the check airman and the fleet. To, to pare that down and to boil that down because these errors do creep in. The time it takes uh, for anybody to be heads down allows more errors and, and other external factors to, to play a part in losing situational awareness or, you know, whatever the case may be. And in the same, once we're in flight, so like we've taken off now out of, so kind of like our call out 400 feet, um, the, the pilot monitoring would say 400 feet, the pilot flying would say, okay, flaps up, yaw damper on after takeoff checklist. And so then I have a flow as pilot monitoring to do, and I have all these items. And then, of course, ATC, there's towers switching over to departure. You're getting communication established with departure and doing what they say, which is often something, uh, which allows you because the other guy's hand flying. So now you're you're doing the automation stuff for not automation per se, but you are manipulating the flight guidance panel for them, for them to follow because it controls the command bars on the uh, primary flight display. So with their hand flying, all they're on is thrust levers, yoke and rudder pedals. That's it. They're not touching anything else. So you as pilot flying or pilot monitoring would be manipulating and basically inputting the controls ATC gave you for them to follow is the bottom line. But in there, I haven't even ran the checklist. I did my flow. I talked to ATC. And at some point, I got to get my checklist done. I never followed up with the checklist. And so, you know, Barb's talking about, you know, how these errors can creep in and how digitization automation plays a part. And like, we're not, we haven't even talked about the time, the time it takes, which artificially compresses the timeline to get things done, which right, so obviously this is, weighs on you as a person. A hundred percent. So this is a, a another phenomenon or phenomena. 
I don't know. I don't even know if it's that, but it's, it's, it's cognitive overload is what it's called. And, um, it's generally regarded to define it as like mental processing demands that are placed on a person during the performance of a task. So like you said, you're hand flying, you're doing certain things. You have another pilot, let's say monitoring the automation or whatever it is. And that the, the workload as it gets, and you didn't even run a checklist, right? So the workload refers to all the tasks that you have to do. And then this overload happens when, you know, you have more than you're physically or mentally capable of doing, which oftentimes will happen in a GA aircraft because you're not always flying with, you know, a first officer or a captain or whatever, right? You're, you might be flying alone and then you have all of these other elements that you need to run. And right? I don't know how they do it. I think right. about it and like we ha- tend to have this like this uh, stigma against a single pilot citation or a TBM or a Malibu, whatever it is, Cirrus in a highly complex um, class Bravo airspace. It's busy. You're in IMC and you have all of the automation and, and technology that we have in a, a transport category airplane, but you're single pilot now. Correct. And it's like, so how do they do it? Like I don't even right. know. There was like, some know. there was some insurance video I had to watch. The Kings had it on their FIRC program of a guy flying back from the business owner flying back in his phenom from the Caribbean, landing in Miami like during a storm. And it's obviously trying to like teach you stuff about the, like decision making process, and it, it was terrifying. Like, what's, like, a, I, what's a phenom again? It's a bomb. Is it Bombardier? Embraer. Embraer. It's just a small. Sweet personal, like a single pilot jet. Yeah, okay. can be. Yeah, they're yeah they're yeah they're all yeah. they're single pilot. Um, but that you can get um, like it just walked yeah, through the yeah. the loads that guy had on him, and this is obviously acting. I don't know if it was based off a true story or not. And like, you're just like, oh, that's logical. How he's like being overwhelmed right now, and yeah. like air traffic control is telling him something. He's he's hitting a couple buttons on the thing. It's not doing it, so that's taking his attention. But he's still going however many knots into Miami, like while he's trying to figure this out, everything is still going forward. It doesn't matter that that task is tripping him up for like a little bit longer than it should have. And now he's just behind and gets a little frazzled. And it's like, it's like, that's how statistics happen. Yeah. It's piling up. It's like playing this game of Tetris. Yeah. And like you're trying to that last that last that that row you have a perfect row of bricks at the bottom and you're towards the higher higher levels right and it's really speeding up and you're trying to figure out how to get that one in there and you tap it a couple times to get it fit right in that slot but you already have three other pieces on the board coming down that's exactly the way it feels when we see this a lot and I know we're kind of going out of chronological order now but that's when we feel a lot is when they give you a crossing restriction on descent people decent planning is what i see more commonly than not as the issue they don't know how to decent plan they don't know how to do math quick math and if if the, if the fms the flight management system is not pre-programmed for this crossing restriction which a lot of times we can see it coming because, again, situational awareness. You listen to the person in front of you. You've probably been following them for 300 miles. So right. f- listen to the person in front of you. See what crossing restriction they get. Constantly going into, you know, South Florida, we get, uh, you know, we get um, in-pin, cross in-pin 290. Well, the chart says 310. If you have that in there, obviously that's 2,000 feet difference. 
it depends on when they give you, but that could be a very big difference in um, the, the vertical speed required to cross it. And if you can't program that quickly or do the quick mental math, okay, I'm at 31, I need to get to 21, and I have five miles to do it, which I can't do that math right now anyways either. But that's, that's well, you'd need a lot more than that. That would be crazy. But yeah. you can't, if you can't do the mental math to make the, that cross restriction work, that takes you completely out of, out of, out of the role. You're completely saturated, task saturated is the term that I use. You're right, that's exactly what it's called. Task saturated, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah 100%. And now compound that with, let's say, uh, you know, an emergency, right? Where oh. you have extra stress and you're trying to get down really quickly or something like that, right? Humans don't have the capacity to complete all of these things, especially when they're under pressure. Right. You know, right. the, the, the human factor side, like biologically, psychologically or whatever, you, you react to things by processing what's going on. So in your example where let's say you're setting the FMS, right? You're understanding that, okay, here's what I'm seeing in the planes in front of me. And then you have to make a decision. Well, am I going to program it now? Am I going to wait? And then you have to process the response of that decision. So am I, am I doing this? Am I not doing this? Or or let's say you 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 get something to program in. You're going, okay, now what do I have to do? And then you have to actually act out on it. So in that space of time, yeah, it can happen instantaneously, let's say, within a human brain. But if there are other things going on at the time, that process is going to be interrupted. Your situational awareness is going to be interrupted. You're not going to know where you are. And like I said, compound it with an emergency and you're toast. Yeah. I guess even simpler than that, um, than just you... Uh, working with yourself in a single pilot. Yeah. Am I going to program this now? Or am I going to wait? And maybe mm. they'll give me what the chart says in a two pilot crew. You're always, Hey man, you mind if I put this in now? So it's not even, you're not even having to talk with yourself anymore. You're having to talk right. with another person. You may have already had the talk, which takes, which maybe takes you a little bit out of the equation, but then you're going to present the same question to another person. It's going to take them out of the equation for a minute. And so who's watching the airplane at this point in time while well, you're having this conversation where you're both dedicating hard drive or a uh, Ram to, you know, to this, to this one stupid at the point at that point in time article. Now it allows you to be ahead. Here's the, here's the justification. You having that conversation now put you both more back in the saddle later on down the road when it is arguably there's more happening. So there is that. There's a win. There's a little bit of a win there to have it, but it's better to do it early than late. Yes, but you still have to do it. So if you do it early, still both takes you out. You kind of do lose a little bit. You know, you're both not flying the airplane, but at cruise, eh, I mean, it, you get desensitized to it. Like I'm I amping up some stuff a little bit right now, but you do get desensitized to all of this. I, and, and one of my best analogies is if you're used to driving your Buick all the time, 35 miles an hour feels fast. If you're riding a crotch rocket every day, 140 miles an hour feels fast. That that is that is the that is the thing. Like you get desensitized to some of the stimuli. You can you just buy a the the repetition and and the conditioning you get you get more in tune with how quickly information comes at you. Yeah, 
I, I think also what you, you said something very important about effective communication, right? If you have that conversation in your head and you bring it out to someone else and now you guys are effectively communicating, ideally you're not spending an exorbitant amount of time discussing it, right? Yeah. Because then who's flying the airplane, right? right. There's that accident. Exactly. I can't remember what um, airline it was, but they had um, a landing light that was out. Like mm. a... I've heard this and story. Eastern... Yeah. Something. And, um, you know, when, when, the, when the gear goes down, the light turns green when it's down and locked. And th- it turns out it was down and locked, but the little light, the indicator light in the cockpit was not working. And they didn't know whether or not it was down and locked. And so, like, it was back in the time where there were flight engineers and all three people in the cockpit were focused on this one light. You go down and you check and you look at it. And, and I think they ended up, it was, they either ran out of gas or it was a C-fit. Like, they, they fully crashed and it was because they just spent time focusing on a light that literally was just a light they were actually down and locked and so it it just goes to show you that the effective communication and and making sure that there is somebody always you know manning the actual flying of the plane is so important yeah managing the aircraft state for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I see these errors creep in. I'm trying to, you know, we have a, I have a limited scope in, in the airplanes I've flown, the airplanes I fly, and the geographical region. So there's some errors, of course, that don't, or uh, threats that don't come in. You know, we're not flying that much in the mountains. You know, we're not going down to Mexico and flying in big mountains with a language barrier. Those things, they just compound. And then you don't have a VNAV. You don't have it set up correctly. And then they give you a clearance. And then you're 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 ri- always racing. And then all of these items you have to do in the same period of time, just because now you have more jobs to do. And it's just it's yep. just crazy how they compound like that. But um, what, yeah, what I see the biggest one is is that you know the the nav the vertical the vertical descent planning uh, or just descent planning is what gets a lot of people. It takes so much of their uh, mental fat, energy, mental energy, yeah, whatever to 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 make that happen. And it's like, dude, you weren't thinking about this thirty miles ago. You weren't thinking about this a hundred miles ago. It's simple equation, and now you need to know what altitude you're kind of looking at, you know, and, and, and obviously the charts normally give you some guidance as to what an ideal altitude would be, but it just it still takes time for a new guy to start figuring these things out when you're used to flying around all the time at 3,000 feet. When you're at 30,000 feet, it's a big difference. So yeah. I, I see those things creep in, but I mean um, – I guess, okay, I, I guess, uh, you know, so I kind of jumped to uh, descent stuff. Yeah, that's fair. We I to, mean. We, for the amount of time there. we spent taxing, I feel like we're at 30,000 feet very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems to me training seems to be the king. The, 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 way, the way I see automation is it's supposed to be a help, not a hindrance. And so something that, that I commonly, and I was trying to, I, I tried to make this point earlier. I, I know it didn't land, but if you can fly the automation, you can fly the plane. That is when I get these new guys and they want to hand fly. They've been talking about flying. They just want to new, fly now. New people, Lee. New people. Yeah, I'm sorry. New, yeah. New flying. Right. New person. Get that new score persons. up, baby. New flying, yeah. get that, new flying get people. Get that DEI up, yeah. New flying people. Flying persons, yeah. people. Yeah. I think persons, <laughs> flying persons. Yeah, flying persons. Yeah. Okay. Persons. I think when, when, when they, them, 
get when into the seat. Get, yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. okay, yeah, it. yeah, they them. they mm. they want to, you know, f- fly. They want to be hands on, um, the airplane. They don't want the autopilot flying it. They want to be flying it. They they there's and there's a multiple because I've been there, you know, and most people graduating into these airplanes have this probably similar thought process. They want to prove that they can do it, that they're not an idiot. They have as an FO, <laughs> you have limited in instances to prove that you don't suck at everything. Mm. And so you know, you're not getting a lot of you're not able to put in a lot of input on um the release. Fuel planning, this, that, the other thing. So when it is your turn to fly, it's your turn to fly, right? So you want to you want to do it and show you can. I can be right on two hundred fifty knots. I can do a nice smooth level off. All these things you you want to display all of those things. But what you don't, what you end up not doing is you end up not mastering automation. And when you master automation, and it, and it can be done if it's done right by hand flying. You got to be a little bit further ahead, but. If you can master automation, just get that autopilot on, and then you are the one pressing the buttons up there instead of the next person. You have to see, you need to interpret, and then you need to do. Yep. And and, and you know it's maybe a two st- a three step versus a two step or you know whatever, but I think it gets you much more in tune. If you, I, I will maintain, if you can fly the automation, you can fly the airplane, and it seems like. Some of your research has indicated, I know I'm boiling it way down, has it indicated, she made the point, it's intentional. It 1,000% is. It goes from G1000 for your GA, if the, if you were to call that kind of the benchmark, right? Just something in the G series with a bunch of soft keys and all kinds of stuff, bunch of menus on your PFD. You go from that, when you go to transport category, it gets easier. It gets simpler. You don't have a bunch of soft keys. You may not have any buttons you can press on that PFD bezel at all or MFD bezel at all. So you go from like the GA guy, all one trip through Sporty's catalog tells you how obsessed people are with tech. Oh, yeah. We just want goofy shit in, in something that I think might make my life easier. More thing, put my flight bag to justify the leather flight bag I have. I don't really know. 16 knee boards later that you don't use. <laughs> That's right. You got to find the right one though, man. <laughs> There is every, no right one. Every salvage plane I buy has a kneeboard in it. Yeah, They do. P- private pilots, GA guys, are obsessed with tech. And I don't know if it has something to do with the, the type A personality where they want to do this one thing better. They want to copy no, the tech. No, they don't want to do anything. We just want or to that, do it for us. Well, they want the external look to be like, I'm a, pro- I'm a professional. They want, when they come into this big airport, they have, it looks all buttoned up. No matter how chaotic or what work they load they had to put into it to make it look that way, they want it to be seamless from the outside. Yeah. See, so yeah, I and, got the iPhone 8, so I'm up to date on the phone. But, <laughs> okay. But the, the, when you go to, and there's also the cost of retrofitting too. Obviously, you go get an airliner. It's not nearly as cheap to re-outfit the whole fleet with the newest, if it's even legal to do. Look at the B-52s though. My God, how long are they going to keep those things flying for? I don't, I don't know what they did to them, but did they just re-retrofit they them They put new engines on them and they plan on flying them through, whatever year they're flying them, plan on flying them through, we'll put them over 100 years of service. Bring back those B-17s. Right. We got a few more. 100 years. 20 more years. That'd be like, yeah, that would be 
they, they will be older than bringing back the B-17s right now when we retire them. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. The Australians and the British wouldn't do that. No. 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 Anyways, so the, I the triple seven is pretty good though. I'm I I was kind of pissed about them getting rid of the seven forty seven, but the triple seven's not. It's a pretty good replacement. It's more efficient. It's not quite as big, but it's a yeah. nice it's a nice plane. I I don't know if I've ever been on on one. I don't well, think so they've had them for a while, but like the triple seven nine is like what they're using to replace the okay seven forty seven. It's not bad. So, yeah. So Got I mean, eight minutes left. So I think about like the how. Um. Whatever. <laughs> wow! Wow! Lee just derailed. I just Norfolk that, Southern over here. You using my uh, my thesis lingo. I just I just I feel like that's a a hypothesis that if you knew the equipment inside and out, it'd be less distracting. But you don't get trained typically in like worst case scenario, which is where the accidents happen. We, you know, and Barbara can attest to this, the, there's a chain of errors that compound or a chain of events. There's no one single event that brings down a plane. I understand that. But I'm saying given any chain of events, you take a pilot. You'll be better. Who yes. knows that thing left and right. You'll be better. Versus a pilot who knows it 40 to 60%. You'll be better. The, the the distraction of that device is not going to be as high with the person who just knows it inside and so out. So are you advocating, Barb, jump in anytime, but are you advocating more training or more training on the operation of systems? More training and understanding of the systems and particularly how... All of those menus work. What every button does. What every phase. Well, what of that if we works? don't have the buttons? The, like buttons. I just said a little bit ago. The well, you said buttons. Okay. Don't ask me buttons. You well, said buttons. I know, but you mean no buttons. How the do buttons you... you're describing. You said buttons. Okay. Well, you what t- does every touch button screen? do? I don't know. You tell me, and then I will answer you. I want someone to be able to navigate through. There's nothing that device. Like not from the software. Are you level talking of FMS? Code, or are you talking PFD, MFD? What are you talking about? Either one. Okay. Two totally different things. I'm Lots talking, of buttons on an MFD or you, on a You FMS. know how to do everything that machine's doing. Right? I don't know how to do everything I would assume, in any of the airplanes I've flown. No, no. I mean, like, there's no screen that you don't know how to get to real quick and just, you but know. But then, then, then I need to know what that all that information it may tell me means. And you're, you're acting, nothing catastrophic is probably going to happen in the FMS. Okay. So that's where most of the buttons are. In most a lot a lot of stuff. Okay. Is. So the other, I think it's the other definitely displays. beneficial to know about the systems and to understand how to navigate different screens and buttons or no buttons or whatever. I mean, obviously that's going to be more helpful. I don't think that's what we were arguing, right? I feel I'm like we arguing, were talking. Know your computer on it so well that you're never fiddling with it, trying to get it. Like it, it's never a problem to go do something with it. Just it like a steam gauge. It will always be a problem if you, yeah, just like a steam gauge, no problem. You listen to the, uh, a new, you're a new pilot and you're listening to the ATIS or the AWAS or whatever and you're, you need to now adjust your altimeter. 
that's a, that your brain is off of flying because you're with that little Colesman window. I mean, no matter what, you're going to have to step out to 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 pay attention to that. Tur- and I think turning that, that knob is different than figuring out which buttons you press on a G one thousand to get the thing not, to go though. to that highlighter and then move it. I don't think it is. I think it's the same thing. I think well, irregardless, I, it takes a second of your time to be like, what do I have to do? What do I have to look at? And then you're you're taking that second out and that second you could look back up and all of a sudden you're on taxiway, whatever, instead of taxiway, whatever. I just haven't been in a G1000, so I, I know how to turn the knob. So, I can't remember how to do it in the so G1000. We can, should so we, we, should, we need to mitigate those issues and not be doing that on the taxi. That is what the the PC version of me would say. Or when you're land, like uh, whatever. It should all be done prior to top of descent, just like with our briefing. That should already be set. We should already know what it's going to be, so we're not doing that. That is not, I mean, I'm sure the the statistics probably bear out like, oh, yeah, that's when the issues happen. That's when accidents happen. That's when they lose situation awareness. But, and of course, accident or uh, emergency are not happening right then. And so, Obviously, statistics bear out thing, things differently than what I have perceived them to be in actual practice, but I'm a small sample size. The The number of keystrokes, I think, do matter on the G1000, or I, I don't know what the example is exactly, like if it's altimeter setting, I don't know what that takes in a G1000. I would assume it's simple, but I don't know that. Obviously, on a Colesman window, on an altimeter, normal, it's quick. Everybody gets that. I'm assuming that's largely intuitive on any of the advanced flight systems. I don't know. But when you get to more co- complex things, how many times do you, in muscle memory, click the wrong key and you have to backspace? How many times do you click the wrong thing? Because you're your, predicting. That's your problem. You're typing. That's a very good point. I, you make typos all the time. Absolutely, everybody does. Everybody on does. your phone. That's fine. But if no. you're still typing using a computer, <laughs> I'm you're just living saying, in the dark ages. You're going through motions so quickly. ATC will just send you text here. messages these days. You know, they will yeah, they'll send you text messages now. Nobody types. Mm. Yeah, so, they do. No, even on your no, phone, you talk into it. it yeah, you talk and try to write on the react. FMS. On the FMS. I, I don't type anything. I talk into my computer and it types it all for me. Yeah, I'm going to try to write a program Chat for school. GPT. I guarantee you could. Right. If you use, oh, if you we'll use Dragon and you Reversed curly use, bracket, space, enter. <laughs> no, it, it would, it, it, it knows all the, all the symbols. You could just, you could just learn to say them and it would do it. Okay. Whatever you wanted it to do. I guarantee I can type fast and you can talk. No, you can't. You talk very slow. I talk fast. I can talk very fast. <laughs> I talk fast. He, he's if got I know what I, I want to say. I edit, he's got I edit you for hours every week. Right. Okay. I know I can type faster than you talk on the no. show at least. Okay. But if I'm <laughs> if I'm entering in uh motor, a perfect example. If I'm entering in motor Okay. But if okay. I have a list of I have a list of parts I'm and, and four sentences ahead of you right now. Okay, okay, <laughs> it's very easy to type for him. Just so you know. Yeah, I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee you cannot type faster than I can talk. It's not possible. Nobody can talk. Nobody can type as fast as somebody can talk. For everyone nobody, who listens to even the, the show, even like the fastest typers I'm, in the world cannot type as fast as you can talk. Can I just? I need. I noticed something. Even when you were talking, you made a mistake and backtracked what you were saying. Nobody can talk. Nobody can type as fast. 
Like, right, but I'm you reading it off a of paper. I'm reading it off of something. I'm just saying the words. I already have the parts, the prices, and anything that's wrong with it written down. So I'm just reading it as I want it to be written. So you, you would basically have to, typed it already, and then you're rereading. You it. would have it's it's from the exactly. it's from the, the shop. It goes involved. from the shop to the office. Why don't you just there take a photo no way. of it and have Chat GPT do it for you? <laughs> because it's not quite there yet. There is no way that you could type enter in the information that I have to enter in using a mouse and keyboard as fast as I can do it verbally. Not possible. Exactly, which is why if you're flying and ATC texts you, it's a very big problem. Well, I'm just saying, I I, I would like it on a screen, though, because then I could go back and read it. Yeah, but you need to address it pretty much. And that's that's a perception of ours, that it needs to be an instantaneous adjustment in your flight path. ATC says something, oh, I need you right now. And then you go into predictive text mode on your FMS and you start keystroking, and it's like, oh, I was on a different screen than I thought I was, so that key does something different this time. You understand where you are spatially with inside that system, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't take you extra time to get back, expert. So even though you know it intuitively, you may take yourself three pages <laughs> away from where you want to be. Like when you're at the Oscars, then they cut you off. Part two. Barbara Sutton, we're wrapping yeah, it up. I like. Thank Andrew, you again. Andrew says, "Just leave ATC on red." Yeah, <laughs> perfect advice. Notifications. Don't even just let it build up. Barbara, thank you again for coming on. We're gonna, of course, um, wrap up this series. Going to the after chat here. The handful of people in the chat. If you have any questions, do it in. I feel like there's enough argument still going on. Dan Freed says <laughs> I'm uh, his favorite. So okay, I'm his favorite. No, he said I'm his favorite. Well, we're going to see in a second. I'm sure he'll Dan, respond to that. Dan, settle it right Dan, now. Dan said I'm his favorite. You don't have a chance. As to. always, thanks for the bar. <laughs> You're doing you, Tyler, and Jared agreed to do the next episode, right? Yes, okay, we did. On your own, Pilot Ground Takeover. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to have a full guest episode? Yeah, yeah. Because you guys don't have time. And Scott will listen to that one. You guys, finally. You guys don't have time to do it. Wait, we have so a lot of firsts. One. Scott's. Yeah. Yes. We have the first female guest and Scott's first episode we ever listened to. Coming right up. Wow. Coming up. Oh, wait, I have to Coming. listen to it? Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting because it'll be not the three of us. Oh, yeah. It'll be three I'll, new people. <laughs> exactly. Pilot ground takeover yeah, is no what we're calling it. All oh, right. Dan said, be soot. So. See? Or soot. Whatever. Yep. Soot. It's me. It's me. Okay. Thanks for listening. Take care. See you guys. Take care. Bye. Later.